to D2C Coffee Shop, episode nine. We're getting into influencer stuff today. We've got a new friend, Taylor, and we're going to be joined by our old buddy, Barry, as well. We're going to get into a lot of different things today around influencer marketing from a couple of people that have spent a lot of money in influencer marketing, plus how to leverage these assets, seeding, whitelisting, a whole bunch of fun stuff. Um, side note, I used to have a six-figure monthly budget to just do this stuff, and there's a fun little uh, shot of me at Shopify uh, giving a how-to uh lecture to the likes of commentary collective and in that audience um savannah sanchez and there's very uh high uh you know it's great to see people take some of these things and really make a lot of use around this space and i will say this um influencer marketing is one of the things that is very underutilized and when it is done it's not done necessarily to nearly the extent of potential that it possibly could so we're going to really try to get through all that stuff if you like these things don't be shy to ask questions. It's wildly appreciated also if you follow, if you subscribe. We're going to bring some people up. That you have, I've tagged their profiles. You can go to their sites. You should follow these people. You should ask them the questions. Hopefully, we get you some things going on. I really appreciate it. Last thing to be awesome is if there's anything that you love, go ahead in the comment section and just tag the time of it. That will make it so much easier to make little clips of this stuff to make it easier and easier for everybody to go through all of it. So once again, my name is Charlie. Welcome to the show. And I'm going to bring up right now my man, Taylor. Um, Taylor, welcome to the stage. Introduce yourself to the lovely people. You were born for this. That was so good. <laughs> Uh, I'm Taylor. I'm the co-CEO of an influencer marketing agency called Kinship. Um, yeah, can't wait to talk about influencer marketing, all things influencer today with Charlie and Barry. Pleasure to be here. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it's great to see you, Taylor. I, I, you know, full disclosure, you and I are doing some work together now. So I'm very excited. This isn't just like I got somebody else. I got skin in the game. This is going to be fun. I'm super excited. Um, yeah, and welcome him back to the stage. Old friend, longtime buddy. With the coolest hat of this day, sorry Taylor, but I think yeah, Barry dang. will beat you out burn. on this one today. That was a burn. Yeah. <laughs> How you happy doing, Barry? To, I am great. Happy to be repping a fun hat. I wear many hats, both in uh, my work and Pony, in, uh, in, my, in my life. Nice. We're up to a hot start. Big hat. We are up to a hot start. Somebody's, somebody's an expecting father over there. You can tell he's warming up the jokes. This is good. <laughs> yeah. By the way, Barry, wow, I want to personally say... Thank you. I highly, highly appreciated you using one of our old D to C companies, our favorite of the week, uh, uh, um, the Dandy Del Mar pictures. Oh, you looked incredibly comfortable. Oh, yeah. Thanks. I, I meant I to coordinate. Say, they're one of my favorite D to C brands. I yeah. loved it. One of these days, you and I have to uh, we'll wear it together and surprise people on this show. I like it. I like <laughs> it. I like it. Yeah. Uh, Dandy Del Mar Taylor, by the way, great company out of uh, our area um phenomenal clothes and i'm glad that barry was like all right i'm gonna give it a shot and he got the whole he got the top bottom match and everything it was it was pretty solid it's, barry i was a little yeah, jealous i was going on a luxury resort vacation i was like i want to look the part uh normally not my my kind of vibe but I, I i made it work real nice it was it was fun thank you for the tip you look, you, you look good and, and, and terry cloth top yeah. to bottom yeah, yeah what is what is what could possibly go wrong Totally. Um, that's also my wife's favorite shirt of mine, the outfit that you were wearing I, that picture. It's so funny. I didn't realize you had that one, but I'm glad that now we share that. Yeah, we do. We can be twinsies. <laughs> uh, so that being said, once again, welcome to DDC Coffee Shop. By the way, if you have a coffee company and you're interested in sponsoring us, that would be awesome. Uh, usually I have several different coffee cups. 
This one is just from New York Starbucks because sometimes you can be a basic bit. The old, the old, the old ranch water cup, not filled with ranch water. The best product integrations in the game, right there. <laughs> Yellowstone as well. I miss them. Oh, you're oh Taylor. You know it. Oh wow, wow. You're an actual. Oh, he's talking ranch water. That's that's legit. Oh, the ads are the ads are working. Yeah, I'm a fan, man. Yeah, I, nice. I miss it. Yellowstone's over. You're not in my life as much as you used to be, but I appreciate it when it was. I will relay that to the larger partnerships marketing team that I do not work with. It was uh, good. Yeah. Yellowstone nice. was always shameless with their marketing, though. So it was just cool to see how that integrated all the commercials. It was good. Oh, man. I mean, so, Charlie, do you know what he's talking about? Uh, no, please tell me. Yeah. So Lone River Ranch Water had a big thing we did promoting. A, we did a lot of ads around uh, that show um around sorry just totally blank on the name of the show um but yeah yellowstone. Yellowstone. yellowstone yellowstone yeah yeah thanks it's so stupid um sorry so my and it apparently worked well really resonated with that audience um my whole criticism of that ad campaign this is real inside baseball about like an actual major ad campaign uh that i wasn't super involved in because i don't do the tv side of things but i i always felt that it was too limited like for us to just focus on Yellowstone fans, really, mm. with a big investment. Uh, or, I don't know how big of an investment, but like to make that our primary focus rather than a broader audience, which makes me think of like Facebook broader audiences rather than whatever. Sure. So I, there's this. You're dealing with thing. the exact audience on my end. And that's yeah. resonating with me. I just right. watched the show. I mean, that's great. And have you bought Ranch Water? <laughs> Ooh. Right. Hmm. So no, look, that's fine. That's fine. I'm not offended. I, you know, I'll send, I'll send you some. If you send me your address, I'll send you some. But like, um, when is that's the, you know, like I, I think about like, yeah, you paid attention to the ads, you, you reached you, and it got you, but it didn't really motivate you to buy. And hmm. so there's a bigger thing there about that targeting, and also the how what ads we were running on TV, if they made they weren't optimizing for conversions. I'm I'm just a brand awareness guy. That's that's isn't that crazy to think about? Like, yeah, you know about it, but we didn't give you enough to make you want to buy. Maybe I wasn't I wasn't influenced by the cast of Yellowstone within those commercials. That is what it is. We'll talk there, about that today. There's some bigger thing there, but there's no data to measure it, so nobody will For believe sure. me if I say anything about it anyway. I love all of what just happened. Because it went from one of the things this is really built around to just championing D to C. And how we are such a big community, but it's such a small room. And this one random aside, bringing into television, brand awareness, back to influencer marketing. Bravo on both of you getting it back on topic. That is... Trying to be a good I'm, guest here. Trying to I be a good love guest. it. Like, that is, that is, that is amazing. I love yeah, it. Right at the top. Uh, right at the top of the show, too. Really yeah, because yeah. usually we bury all the good stuff to 58 <laughs> minutes, and then we're like, all right, we got to go. You know, yeah. it's nice to start it off well. This is, this is good. I, I'm like, you know, the, the problem now is we've set a bar. We've set a bar of, like, what we expect, what we're going to try to deliver, and we've blown our load in the first, like, five, ten minutes. But, <laughs> hey, look, that's okay. I've got it marked down on my sheet Four minutes in, Jake, you're going to chop this up and we're going to make it work. I love it. Uh, so with that being said, to get to a bit more of some actionable stuff, um, and not so much as a commercial, but just because I think that what you're doing, Taylor, is, is really great. 
And like I said before, like full disclosure, um, I'm, you know, we've signed some contracts. Uh, can you explain to me a bit about influencer seating and what it is that you guys are really doing? Because I think you'd be the best person to explain all of this. Yeah, yeah. Happy to give the audience everything A through Z as well amidst this episode so they can go try it internally. Big proponents of just equipping people to go try it out. It is labor intensive, but if you want to put it to the test, please want to equip you to do so. But at its core, influencer seeding um, is just a way to go about influencer marketing that's not transactional. Um, and we believe it's a way to get the most bang for your buck. It's cost effective. Um, it's organic and genuine. You get to get genuine product adopters, not the typical BS, you know, content that gives influencer marketing a bad rap where, you know, this person was paid to post, you know, this person was inauthentic about it, so on and so forth. There's none of that. So you get genuine content out of it, authentic relationships built, mass organic distribution, and a content pipeline to supplement your paid media efforts, which I know both of you uh, on this show would appreciate. So that's a high level of kind of output from it and what you get. Happy to go into a little bit more though, process wise on how that could look. Yeah, I mean, I think right there, just to start off with, I think there's a lot of great stuff. So what we're talking about here is influencer seeding. So I think to really unpack it, we can back up to like what I used to do back in 2016, 2017, is we would find, (laughs) I mean, maybe, I guess, I don't know, we would just called it, I was an old radio guy. So I just got celebrity endorsement. Now, apparently it's a whole industry. Uh, Yeah. Uh, so what we were doing is we were finding people with a strong following that could, you know, move the needle for us. And what we did is at the time we went out to each one of them and uh, tried to make a contract to basically say, if we send you product and we pay you X amount of money, can you shoot videos and pictures for us and send it back? Which is a very classic way of doing influencer marketing. Mm-hmm. Now, the big thing, I think, between that and, and what you guys are really doing, which I think is great, and with the seating concept, is one that was extraordinarily expensive and very limited yeah. in scope. So what we did, for instance, at 310 Nutrition, um, we would go after, we had a relationship with Bravo and with MTV. So we went after everybody on Real Housewives, everybody on Jersey Shore, whatever. And we'd offer them 1000 bucks, 2000 bucks for like three videos in a picture. Mm. And the hope was that if they posted it organically, we'd make our money back and then we could use that content and leverage it. But we were wrong. We lost 80% of the time. Right. And and we were able to make it work because that 20% floated everything. And what I love about what you guys are doing is that your approach to getting that content is both a solution that is done at scale and a, a solution that allows for um, a much higher level of platform discipline because we were going after everybody just saying, hey, please give us something where right. you guys are really making this specific. And I want to lean into that because that platform specificity, I think, is an unfair advantage that you guys bring to the table with some expertise. But. I mean, and, and Barry, let me know if you've ever used this influencer stuff, but if it's not platform specific, I haven't seen it ever work. Like asking a YouTuber to make a Facebook ad doesn't work. Asking a Snapchat right. influencer to make you an Instagram campaign. It's close, but it doesn't work. Tick- One of the biggest I've mistakes we ever TikTok did. TikTok videos work incredibly well on Facebook ads though. Those are okay. crushed. Oh, yeah. TikTok We're going to talk videos about work. that. Yeah. We'll, we'll get, that, that is on my crushed. list. We will come back to TikTok videos. Teaser yeah. alert. 
uh, stick around for TikTok because we are going to crush <laughs> on that. And full disclosure, again, the contracts that we run are all basically exclusively TikTok. So very much on board. Uh, so 100 uh, percent. But, that. you know, it just didn't work. One of the biggest mistakes that we made was trying to take Facebook video content and make it work everywhere. We were like, well, Facebook works. We made the biggest mm. mistake of going hard into repurposing Facebook native to Snapchat or yeah. to Pinterest or to Reddit or to YouTube and lost our shirt everywhere. So with that platform specificity. By the way, I Charlie, I just want to jump in and say it's very nice that it. I really appreciate when you are willing to just volunteer a failure of yours. It's really like <laughs> for me as someone who loves learning, I love hearing it. And it's great for the, anyone who watches or listens. It's it's not everyone is comfortable doing that. So, bravo! Thank well, you. well, Continue. thank you so much. I, I pride myself. Sure. I make I make I my number one focus is that nobody catches my mistakes until I'm able to brag about them because I've won after the fact. That's my goal. Uh, but yeah, I'll follow sure. the sword every day. And thank you so much for that. So, so Taylor, I think what would be awesome here is let us know sort of about this platform specificity. I think that's such a big key point that most people miss in influencer marketing. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. And I think I gave the main output expectation, the main value as an influencer seeding, but just to communicate it very straightforward influencer seeding, similar to gifting. If you think about like the PR gifting, but very different at the same time, we are putting product in the hands of influencers, no strings attached though. So whereas the typical gifting model is, hey, Charlie, hey, Barry, we want to send you this product in exchange for a post or we want to send you this product, you know, as well as some compensation in exchange for right. a post or some sort of deliverables. But this approach is, hey, we want to send you this product because we think you're a great brand fit. We think you'd love it. No strings attached. We have no expectation of you to post whatsoever. Send me your address. We'll get this right out to you. So that's like seeding at its core. We're getting product in the hands of influencers that will represent your brand well. We obviously do have expectations though, and we see a lot of output of it and we'll talk about that. But platform specific, uh, specific here, uh, our team really focuses and hones in on uh, seeding influencers on TikTok and Instagram. So why? Uh, there is value in the other platforms like YouTube influencers creating YouTube content. But if you think about it, YouTubers, the amount of video content that they're putting out on a weekly, monthly basis is, you know, one to three videos per week tops, you know, it's very uh, uh, limited in the amount that they're putting out. And everything that they are putting out is very scripted. It's very planned out. Uh, it's very segmented. Uh, the brands that they're incorporating a lot of the time are paying for that placement. So when you're seeding a YouTube influencer, you're a lot less likely to get that free integration, that organic and authentic integration. Mm. So if you are interested in a YouTuber though, and you ultimately want to activate them, we would recommend seeding them on Instagram or TikTok first, because why? Instagram stories, TikTok videos, people are constantly posting on these platforms about their daily lives throughout the day, 24 seven. So integrating your product in an authentic organic fashion, very likely, very likely. So we start there, if that content performs well organically when it's posted and it performs well when repurposed into paid media, if you're interested in, you know, contracting them to a YouTube organic post at that point, hey, let's follow up with the top performers that prove to be genuine product adopters as well, posting of their own free will under no contractual obligation. So long-winded, but 
that's a little platform uh, specific there of why we go and focus on TikTok and Instagram to begin with. No, I, I love that. And I think, Barry, you know, you kind of queued this up. So maybe we can get into it in a minute about the TikTok stuff. But the one thing I do want to say before we get there to kind of set the table, which is what I always love to do, right? Set the table and then we can eat is how do we use this content? I, I think, I, and I'll give an example for myself and then open up the table. What we've done, what I've done over the years, over you know, many different partners and, and many, many, many different influencers over the years, is we took their content, we gave direction to make it into some format, right? You Hopefully with the most universally repurposed format. I can't tell you how many times we got stuff from people where there was text at the very top and text at the very bottom. Right. And it's like, well, now we can't, we can't do anything, right? Uh, like we can't put that into a square. We can't put that into a wide, right? We're really limited in our ability. But when I'm talking about how to really use this content, part of what I want to get to is our action ability on a business end as well as our repurposing. Mm -hmm. And so I'll lay the table with this. When I was using this content, my focus on getting the influencer stuff was that getting market share and saturation of voice on any platform by organic efforts would alone pay for 20, 30, 50, 100% of the acquisition of that talent, right? If it cost me back in the day, $2,500 to get, uh, you know, uh, maybe Kim from the Real Housewives of Atlanta to post four times for us, which was Probably I shouldn't say all those numbers because it's a little too accurate to, to, to whatever. That was 2018 contract. I'm sure it's gone uh, up by now. By now. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's definitely gone up. Uh, and, so unless you see. Get them, yeah. Uh, so we would get them to do that. And the hope was, can we sell two grand with the product? And then it really cost us $500 to get the content. We would then chop it up into a million pieces and repurpose it, running ads from their accounts as well as our own mm. and targeting their fans as well as our own. And using it in email everywhere else. That was really what we were doing back in the day. And we were trying to juice everything. I mean, I did a six-figure deal with a member of the Kardashian family. And organically, we made about 15K back. And I don't think even after a quarter million dollars of ad spend, we got back our original investment. So... It can be done well. And it can be done poorly. And we thought we knew what we were doing and failed terribly. So somebody on that end, I'm really curious what Taylor or Barry, what you guys think about how best to use this content that you're getting, as well as the mindset of what your expectations are when you are acquiring it. Yeah, Taylor, Barry, go ahead. Take lead. Oh. <laughs> I was going to let you go ahead. Well, yeah, no, best hat goes first. All right. Uh, <laughs> um, they're boogie boards, by the way. Uh, and it's from a brewery. I meant to call that out. Um, one of the biggest things here I think about when I think about any of this, this whole world is feedback loops. Uh, the creators or influencers, and by the way, influencer versus creative, we can have that, we can have that conversation also. Um, but these people who are paying to make it, make ads, they are not getting the feedback loop. They don't have a feedback loop except for getting paid more and getting paid again. So, but they don't know the things that you know or that I know about what is working as an ad or what is working in whatever they, they, you know, it's, it's a lot of those micro things that really matter. Not some of these macro things. It's not just how many sales it's like, what 
parts of these videos are working and aren't because uh a kardashian name with you know can can get you a lot of eyeballs but if if the use of those eyeballs is poor like we said earlier about the the ranch butter spot you know if you're not if they're not talking about the product usefully or or in selling it or in a compelling way or relatable way then it's not worth anything or it's worth less i guess maybe not worth anything but so that's the biggest problem is uh having worked with creators and influencers is that they don't know what makes a good ad often because they're not from this side of advertising. They're not from it's it's not their their muscle that they've built up with well, the muscle they've built up is making influencer style content. And it's just not right for every brand. It's not right for every product. Uh, so that's the one of the biggest challenges I see with this whole space. And I am a very excited by that challenge. I love trying to solve it. Uh, to give creators more learnings from what we're how we're using their ads and the guidance on like how to make it better. I think that's really important. So that to me is is the biggest thing about getting value out of this. I would much rather roll the dice on a bunch of cheaper creators than go all in on one bigger influencer um, because again, I want I want there's a little bit of randomness in it. You don't know exactly what's gonna hit, right? But also, you don't know who or is going to take your feedback well or take your direction well and execute it in the way that relates their audience will relate to. So I'll leave it there. No, I, no, I love that. And there's two things I want to jump on here and then Taylor jump in. Um, first off, the randomness. <laughs> it feels I can. And again, just because because Barry, you called it out. So I'm just going to highlight all of my failures today. This is going to be fun. Uh, I've hired Harmon Brothers. Wow. Excellent people. Phenomenal work. Unicorns in the space. We need to talk more about Lost this on a separate on the private thing, by the way. Sure. We need to, you and I sure. need to cover talk about that. I've worked uh, with them as well. Lost, lost a shirt. Not by anything they did wrong. Right. Lost a shirt. That's uh kardashian moment that i talked about fun fact same day had the lady had the woman uh that worked at the front desk 22 year old college student younger cousin of the brand manager took a fun little video in the kitchen that ad is still running and it was a slightly out of focus little thing of her making a little smirk and just like yeah it was dumb it was stupid. Crushed. You know, it wasn't dumb. The fact that someone that you decided to run it and someone approved that. That's what's <laughs> not dumb. Okay. Well, to be fair, I got to approve it because I was in charge of everything and I was just like, screw this. Go. We're doing everything. Right. But, and, and, but you yeah. see what I'm saying is like the fact that you had the, the autonomy to do that and you did it. Everyone won there. So yeah, no, everybody won. Yeah. I, I, I love that. And I was very blessed to be in a workspace where the boss would come in and literally sit down at my desk and like, I want to lose $100,000 this week to learn something. Oh, God. And it was amazing. And you know what? He's ridiculously successful because he was like, I want to learn. Boom, let's go waste 100 grand. It's a great mindset. I, I could not be where I'm at today if I didn't have that guy just 
randomly popping in and nobody, everybody in the office was scared of him too. He'd roll into the office and everybody would be like, hmm. And then like, I'd be like, I'd walk up to the front and be like, hey man, uh, so all this shit went wrong, but we're making a bunch of money over here. What are you doing today? And I would just yeah. like to drag him over. And we get make a little war room and we were loud. We'd be yelling at each other. The CEO would come in. The president would come in. We're screaming at each other in rooms. And at the end of the day, oh, hey, look, we hit 100K on Shopify by lunch. This is a good day. And like it was it was a fun environment, although I'm pretty sure people have post-traumatic stress from working alongside of, of, of us. All of that to be said, I think the randomness, it feels random, but there's also something about it is very hard to predict what people are going to respond to. And my point to that, why I love that and why I want to tee this up to Taylor is I used other tools. Um, it's funny. I saw Shaq do like hot tips for blah, blah, blah in 2022. And he tagged me in it and he mentioned one of the tools that I love of a self-service platform to go in and just find people to do all of this stuff. And it might be 50, it might be a couple hundred bucks. Everybody knows Billow, but I'm not a very big fan of them. I actually like this other tool called incense.pro. Um, but the idea of volume of content because what doesn't what won't work is putting all of your eggs in one basket and praying for the best what does work and taylor i'm going to tee this up for you and you run with it is having a good idea of what you want and then putting as many horses into the race with a strategy and then being able to to execute on what you get and removing your ego because i guarantee if everybody in the room picks what they think is going to win the late the the youngest woman in the room with the best social media following is going to be right 80% of the time. And everybody over the age of 30 is wrong 100% of the time. It is stupid. It depends on the audience by the way of your ads. If you have a Fair product enough. that works better for, you know, 55 year olds, I would Yeah, if we're talking about reverse mortgages, she might get it wrong. Fair <laughs> Maybe she might. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Taylor, what do you think about that? I mean, what we're talking about is kind of like the birth story of kinship um previous to kinship i was at common thread collective running paid and doing influencer partnerships where we were paying people constantly for posts and for content and then you know using it we would give them creative briefs and get them scripted talking points and scenes and try to put what we wanted on them to do making it less organic less authentic and we would receive way less out of it for more money and it's mm. like, okay, there's a better way to do this, which leads to seeding. You know, you get more of it, more content, which is what everyone wants. Like we're talking about volume. It's more cost effective. And it's just the it, biased. It's the best content out there. I mean, at the end of the day, if we're seeding, right? Like our process typically, like for Charlie, I'll just go over real quick. We're identifying reaching out to 500 influencers in a given month at a minimum. You can expect with that no strings attached message that you send out, hey, Barry, we want to send this to you, no strings attached. A minimum of 100 would opt in to receive it. And then out of that, 30 influencers out of the 100 minimum end up posting of their own free will, free of cost, a diverse set of genuine product adopters posting authentic content two to three times on average. So 60 to 90 assets. They're all micro influencers. So when we fall for usage rights, a lot of the time they're flattered. And so they grant it. And those and that's 60 to 90 assets right there, like we're talking about volume, it's not filled with scripted talking points. It's not scripted with this one scene that we thought will work because it worked a month ago. It's testimonials, product reveals, before and afters, unboxings, you know, product reviews, comparisons, reactionals, all of the above. And then as you guys know, throw all of that content at the top of funnel and dynamic creative test, throw some cost caps on it. Only content that will get any spend is the one that wins. 
yeah. and let Facebook's machine learning system do the work from there. So it's a volume play. It's a cost effective play. And mm -hmm. it's the best content in the game. Um, very biased uh, on my end, but there's no doubt about it in my mind as well. No, I, I love that because really, I mean, what we're talking about here, if I had to take two points out of it, number one is you are getting an extremely wide breadth of approach. And one of the things I always teach in the Facebook ads MBA program is organize your ads by concept, understand the marketing angles that you're bringing. And I always use the example, if you have a car dealership and you want to sell cars, great. But if every ad is selling a minivan, you're going to have a really hard time moving the sports car. So if you've got ads that are coming from people, and again, loose analogy, but you've got sedans and sports cars and minivans and just happy people driving and the whole selection of everything. If your ads are coming in like that with UGC, lowest cost, before and afters, features and benefits, testimonials, all of that type of stuff, you're going to appeal to different individuals. And really the biggest point in creative testing that I think so many people miss and why I'm a big fan of fraud and won't go down that road. I've launched a thread on it. There's other things. I got a ton of that stuff. Don't even get into it. But one of the big things that I want to lean into here is if you want to scale your spend, you have to achieve one of two things. Either A, you reduce, you improve your efficiency by making better and better sales pitches to sell a single product. Basically, you get better and better at selling the minivan. Therefore, you can sell more minivans right? But ultimately you're hamstrung by that. There's only so efficient you can get. So if you want to move, if you're selling 20 cars, you want to move 30, you might be able to get better at selling that minivan and then you sell 20 minivans and two of something else. If you want to get to a hundred cars, you're never going to do it by working five times harder. What you need to do is find different sales pitches that appeal to different types of customers so that because every ad effectively appeals to a unique type of user, Facebook finds other people that are like that, not just Facebook, but also TikTok as well. Any optimized CPM platform, that's how they function. Love your post today, Barry. Loved it. Uh, optimized CPM. There you go. Um, if your agency doesn't know what they're talking I, I about. I liked your comment because, yeah, what is this? 2017? It's yeah. If, if your agency can't describe to you optimized CPM in 30 <clears throat> seconds, go find somebody that knows what the fuck they're doing. Um, Ridiculous. Side note. Yeah. Uh, so my point here being... Um, when you're trying to scale spend, you can't do it by getting more and more efficient on one sales pitch. So if you find, because every ad has a different type of person that it appeals to, that ad will then go out and find other people that like that yeah. content, right? Because that's where I think, you know, machine learning is one aspect of learning, learning phase. There's another aspect of the, of the business operative, the business operations of any optimized CPM platform and any organic effort like Instagram Reels or TikToks, where if it's appealing, it'll go find a million people that all look and feel the same way. Every ad effectively makes its own lookalike audience. That's an analogy, not a real thing. Don't look for it in your audience section. Don't come after me. For the other people that were upset when I said that six months ago, and I'm still right. I'm still uh, upset the, by that one, but I okay, agree with the premise. But yeah, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's an analogy. <laughs> uh, but the point here being, if you get 30, 60, 90 pieces of content, you're likely going to get multiple iterations of multiple different types of sales pitches. And instead of trying to say, does this ad work? There's an old adage being a punk rocker, right? Which is when you're trying to sell merchandise, you don't say, do you want to buy this shirt? You have three of them up and you say, which one do you want to buy? Right, right, right. That's a very different objection to overcome. And when I was touring, the reason we could tour and have money for gas and food and like come home with cash in our pocket being a not very good punk rock band 
was because we figured out merchandising and we figured out the, the revenue. And so taking that lesson of an old school, just street, street guy, you know, touring, who also had a big drug problem and a giant bar tab. So like I had a lot bigger like uh, money that I had to pull in. Understanding how to frame yourself up for success right. of all of these options, I think is magnificent. And that's one of the reasons that, you know, I'm super, super bullish on what you guys are doing and, and why, you know, we're signing some, some paperwork because having 60, 90 options, I think is great. And, and I'll tell you the process I'm going to get into. And then I'd love to maybe touch on a little bit of whitelisting and then let's just go dive straight into TikTok. You know, like we're, we're seeding it, you know, uh, you know, it's the tease, right? So let me tell you the process that I'm using. Let me know what you guys think of it. And then maybe we'll go into a little bit of whitelisting because I'll try to tease that as well. So I'm going to get 60 to 90 pieces of content on TikTok, right? Native stuff. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a look at all those pieces of content and I'm going to see which ones performed the best organically. Maybe some got 100 views, some got 10,000, some got 100,000. What I'm going to do is then cherry pick and organize by concept the best performers. I'm then going to take that and run that as paid media, grabbing the content and repurposing it for paid because the organic marketplace has already done the creative testing for me. I already know what the platform is delivering because people respond well to it. And for what it's worth, TikTok, I think, is the ultimate creative testing device yeah. for video content yes. because it is the smartest machine at delivering that business objective. Reels is pretty good, but I think TikTok doesn't have a legacy support. So they're phenomenal at it. And their user base is really strong at delivering one type of thing. And their one thing is, can I get you in three seconds to watch for five and keep you on the platform for an hour? Yep. It is extraordinarily like focused. It is, it is a binary choice. It's either going to keep you on or it's not good enough. So if we know out of the 60, 90 pieces of content, here are 20 things that kept people on and kept them excited and engaged. Well, now I've already done my creative testing. All I need to do is then validate if I use paid media, does that turn into positive business results? And so that's the long and short of how I'm going about all of this without getting too deep into the weeds of like a campaign setup or whatever nonsense, because that doesn't really matter. Um, but that's my ultimate strategy with stuff is acquisition of this and then analysis, organization, and then amplification via paid yeah. media. And my hope is, if I can get 10, 20, 30% of my money back organically, and I hit two or three home runs out of each one of those, I know for a fact what I pay you in a month, I can spend in a day. And that is a massive, massive lift. Because now it means that I don't have to pay to acquire those things. I don't have those, I don't have to do that stuff. And I'm leaning on that core competency. So all that being said, of my, the strategy of how I'm trying to work on this, what do you guys think of that overall concept or the execution? Or if you have a different way of doing it, I'm really curious to know what that might be. I mean, I, why don't we I let Taylor go first? Cause he yeah, threw it to please. Barry last time. Yeah. Yeah. Please do. Second best hack goes first. I love it. Um, <laughs> well, we, I, so one, our team hasn't seen any correlation between organic success, paid success with content. Um, and we run that. That, um, that makes so sense. That checks out, right? Like that, those numbers wouldn't make sense, right? Like, and, and my only question is why not launch all of it? 
like every single because we've we've never like our process is very much so around this core competency of completely eradicate human bias Ooh, we have love it we have we have these platforms that are that are machine learning systems that we can feed in a specific way to optimize all creative and what we call in kitchen the boo-boo content won't get any spend uh, at the end of the day with you know cost caps in place and the cream of the crop will rise and then repurposing that type of content into top performing campaigns from there and letting the other ones just die out and never get any spend so those 60 to 90 assets my genuine take would be launch it into six to nine dynamic creative tests give them the allocated budget per campaign to reach optimization 50 purchases in a week and just you know set the cost cap at a place that is your target performance the only content that ends up winning is the one that facebook believes in instead of like me you like me charlie and barry deciding what we think will work the most and what worked best on organic just we've never been right we play the game at kinship ah. every time this content is going to win. This is going to be top. We've never been right. Oh, never. never. Right. I, I can now, like, this might be the cockiest thing I'll say. I cannot pick a winner. I can now, with a decent amount of confidence, pick losers, which I think is what Charlie's saying also. But um, why, though? But why? I, but, but, uh, Taylor, like, that question, you've just, like, lit this, like, really funny fire in me where I'm like, well, I don't want to waste a penny on something I already know is going to fail. But then I'm like, no, Taylor's right. I don't know if it's actually going to fail. I need to try it because I don't want to be the person who says no to an ad that works because I have dealt with too many of those people and I hate them. So I don't want to be that person. I'm curious to ask you both the question because what we always say is like, hey, it's only a loss if you don't launch everything. If you launch everything, there's no, there is no loss. There's no harm, no foul in doing it. You because the the fear is a lot of time is I don't want to waste money on bad creative. Right. Listen, you have cost caps in place. Right. The creative will not spend even without cost cap. Spend. Even without cost caps, you're right. Right. It, Facebook will just basically ignore it. It, it'll it'll yeah. get a little bit of spend and then it will peter out immediately. You're right. So, so we, we believe that to our core. Do you guys both believe that? And if you guys do, why not launch all of it is my question. So I will I will give you my reason because I set that up and then Barry wants to clean I think up on this. I'm thing. probably going to agree with you. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, as two guys that have done a, a, like a billion in revenue, like yeah. it's funny how much we agree on things. Yeah. Uh, it's funny, you know. A couple it's we're in an echo chamber. In the business. We're, yeah, yeah, we're deep in an echo yeah. chamber. It's very bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're we're like Doge. It's gonna happen. Um, to be fair, people are right. So whatever. All right. All right. Uh, so so my point is this. I agree that all of them have potential. I agree. I'm probably gonna miss out on a fair amount of winners. Here's what I'm looking for is the unit economics of my account. Yeah. For me to test 90 ideas, right. say I have 70 losers, 80 losers, totally respectable because those 10 could, could float the boat. Like I said, I'm used to an, an 80% loss, right? Like it's like, it's like baseball or being a comedian. If you suck seven out of 10 times, you're world-class. Yeah. Uh, so totally get it. I'm not even, I'm going to give myself a 200 batting average instead of a three. I'm not trying to be, you know, I'm not, you know, Sammy Sosa, Post, whatever. Um, my point here is this. There is an opportunity cost to running a lot of ideas. And what is if that, I want what is to, that cost? If I may yeah, cut so, it, what is that cost? Yeah, 
So that opportunity cost is, I want to make sure that I'm getting statistical significance on the opportunities that I have confidence in. If I'm running, say, say we have 90 pieces of content and I've got two headlines and two creatives or two headlines and two primary text. Let's just use that analogy. That is 360 ads. Well, let, wait no. for a second. Let's assume you had a line of copy. Let's just isolate, right? Assume you sure. had a line of copy you wanted to stick with, right? Just to make it simple. The one just, copy. Okay. Right? Let's assume. Yeah. It's still a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So, so my point here is, even if it's the 90, I would feel more, far more comfortable doing a qualitative analysis and seeing of that 90, if I break it down to... 10 or 20 that I think have a good chance of winning my likelihood of going through them. All I need is one winner, two winners and the entire venture was good. I'm willing to say I'm going to miss out on five winners, five or six winners. If I find two of them, it's good. Now, the other thing is I'm not saying that I will never use those ever again. I'm just saying that my first round of things, putting my best foot forward because I'm a big fan of put your investment as just an investment banker. Invest your resources, allocate your assets where you have the highest confidence of a positive return. Now, where, how I'm evaluating that, knowing that Facebook and TikTok and other, other platforms an optimized CPM environment, the more likely that people are to respond positively to my content, whether it delivers me good business results or not, the better they receive it, the lower my market rate on the cost of inventory is. Now, this is super in the weeds, but basically... If I pick only the content that went, if I pick only the, out of those 60 or 90, only the ones that did 100,000 views or more, I'm being hyperbolic, but for the purpose of this conversation, let's say out of 90, 10 of them got 100,000 views. And the average view of those that wasn't in that was like 5K. Just for the purpose of being super hyperbolic here, clearly that's not going to be the case. But for the example here, if I go to market with paid media of just those assets that did exceptionally well, I know that I'm most likely to see the lowest market rate on my inventory. Now, there might be an ad that works really well, but if my CPM on that ad is going to be 20, 30 bucks and another ad is going to be 10 or 15, I don't need to be nearly as effective. And there's an aggregate effect of having content that people enjoy and want to engage with from your account. If you focus on making sure that you are meeting Facebook or TikTok or YouTube, their business objectives are maintaining user uh, time on site and and a positive experience, on aggregate, your entire account will be running at a cheaper and cheaper and more efficient level, even if your ads aren't as good. But if I can maintain my cost of business as half of yours, my ads don't need to be nearly as good as yours to be competitive. And if I'm working on a long tail of, I'm just working on over time, my CPM's coming down. And for what it's worth, an account where two years ago I was seeing 20, 25 CPMs, I'm now seeing like 15, 12, because I've been working on this over time to make me a better and better partner. I know that the efficacy of any one of those ads doesn't need to be nearly as good. And so my argument is, if I only need to hit one or two home runs to pay off my investment, why don't I focus on validating my elements, picking and choosing my best chances to get that home run, and then next month getting a whole new batch. And if I strike out on everything, well, then I can go broader and I can say, okay, let me do the Hail Mary second chance lottery ticket and hope for the best. But my likelihood of hitting a home run or at least maintaining my account integrity 
-hmm. by moving with content that people want to see. That means I'm having better unit economics on the platform from a paid media perspective in perpetuity, and it's going to improve over time. And that's really where I'm coming from. Knowing I'm absolutely going to miss a few slam dunks. Yeah. Because I'm not taking those shots. I think, I think you might've like, I, I mean, I agree with everything you're saying. I think, I think you skipped over a really important, not skipped over. You didn't dig into a really important technical issue uh, that I, I want to highlight here about this, which is, um, or dig into a little bit more, which is that you're not going to get enough data. If we're selling or get, we're giving away a free product or selling a product for less than $10. Yeah. Give me, give me 90 ads and I'll test them all and I'll test them all quickly because I'll get plenty of conversion data quickly to be able to get that data in a week. Right. But the whole formula we're dealing with here is the amount of budget that we have available versus the cost per desired action. And if we're selling a two, three, four thousand dollar, you know, whatever is, or even, uh, sorry, two, three, four hundred or a thousand plus dollar product, right? We're not going to get enough data to test 15 creative, let alone 90. I would argue so, even if it's a $39 product. Yeah. I mean, to get the statistical significance on any one ad is over $1,500. Yeah. Look, we can also, like, that's, there, that's are ways, there are ways we can cheat that. We could, just for the sake of creative testing, change our optimization to add to cart, right? And then you get more add to carts. You can win, you can close that gap quicker. Technically, I, I don't know. I wouldn't go that route, but I see what you're I saying. Wouldn't I wouldn't either. I, I might optimize for an objective. I would use Charlie, a different campaign I type. Saying it. I hated saying it because I, I don't want to recommend anyone do that. But you could, if you wanted to just get all the data on the, the creative, but you'd be losing a lot of money because they wouldn't be optimized purchase so anyway but the point is to to taylor like i would want to test all of the 90 creatives but like either it's going to take me a year maybe six months whatever it is depending on how much we're spending and what the cost per action is or it's we do have to be a little bit picky and choosy and i i think that's again one of the values of the one of the big values someone like me adds and someone like charlie adds is that I think we can pull out ones that we a have higher confidence in because we are familiar with this type and B we can probably weed out a bunch of losers, but you know, maybe that's a bit cocky, but again, here the, you hear the problem is I think there's too much, but I'd be curious what your thought is. Hear me out. And yeah. I want you guys both feedback on this. Okay. Nine, nine dynamic career tests. Say we have 90, nine dynamic creative tests. 10 creatives in each of them. It sounds like you guys both might think that's too many variables already. A lot. One headline, one headline, one copy, one sure. ad set. Yeah. I'm trying to consolidate. So it's 10, it's 10 ads per dynamic creative. Right. 10 creatives, yeah. one headline, one body copy, sure. one ad set. Trying to consolidate as much as possible. Hone in on uh, the variable of creative more than anything, obviously. Yeah. Nine dynamic creative tests. We set um, because uh, the biggest fear of brands a lot of time, well, that's so much creative to test. We it's have to spend so much money. It is. We set the cost cap 25% below their target um, CPA. So our goal here is we just want to inch out spend. We want to inch out spend as cost effectively and as efficiently as possible. 
we know, we tell them, communicate to brands, hey, you're going to spend probably $0 on day one. We're going to gradually inch this up as effective and efficient as possible. The only indicator of success truly that we lean into is spent. Which creative mm-hmm. is getting spent? Mm-hmm. We're not even looking at, we're not, I, we're not even looking at ROAS. We're not even looking right. at purchase conversion value. We're not looking at CPA. Right. We're just looking at, obviously, the creative that's receiving spend is the one that Facebook believes is going to win. Not that I think is going to win based on- By the way, just showcase. pause there for a sec. In case anyone's watching this, which who knows, uh, anyone's watching this that doesn't understand why you just said to focus on spend, it's because we're telling Facebook we want purchases and Facebook is spending on the things that get the most purchases. Doesn't matter right. what the actual cost per purchaser ROAS is. That's a whole bigger right. thing. There's other topics I'm sure Charlie or I have covered. But in case someone was like listening to that and was like, why would I just trust what Facebook is spending on? It's because it's the thing that Facebook trust understands. Trust them more than me. Yes. Spend is a meritocracy in Facebook. Yes. And, and sure. the only metric you need to actually measure in all paid media, like when you get super high level, is spend. You yeah. measure yeah. spend yeah. and you measure lift. And then right. you do best practice by platform, but that's a whole other thing. We don't need to dive into that. Yeah, sorry. Almost, almost done on this first step. So basically, again, we're setting it super low cost caps, inching out spend, working it, working our way up. If we get all the way up to target performance and that campaign doesn't spend, we throw that, we throw all that content to the side, put it in a Dropbox. We'll save it later. We'll iterate on it. But it received no spend. Completely fine. No harm, no foul, no loss there. The campaigns that do get spend. Mm-hmm. We're repurposing typically those DCTs, only two ads get any spend. A lot of time, yeah. only one out of all right. the 10 creatives. Right. So you found, okay, and we identified that's a top performing asset. We don't even look again at the performance. It received the bulk of the spend. It's receiving sufficient delivery. We repurpose that one asset into a separate campaign called top performing content. Let it run by itself, isolated. One asset, yeah. one headline, one body copy. Repurpose the other assets that didn't get any spend into a campaign we called second chance you. Hey, doesn't mean these pieces of creative won't work because this top performing asset got all the spend. It just means, hey, this one's just crushing the CPA target. We just want to launch as much as we can in a variety of different ways in this way. But if it does not get any spend, you know, below that cost cap, it's a wash. And like you're saying, Charlie, because of seeding, we're constantly going to have that pipeline of creative to be able to replenish our efforts here. So with... Love to hear your guys' thoughts. It sounds like you just think it's too many variables, but the only indicator of success we're looking at is what's receiving sufficient delivery as the indicator of success there. Well, I would say I have two issues with it. First off, love this strategy. Yeah. Data-based scientific method, completely on board with it. I was pumped to talk to you about this today. So I'm excited to hear the feedback. (laughs) I was excited to kind of tear it apart, by the way. And it's, I'm not going to, it's good. It's it's not a bad... Yeah, and so I will give my two thoughts and then Barry maybe can give two thoughts as well because it's strong. Here are my two issues. Number one, while spend is a meritocracy, there is also, um, especially because you're using cost cap, there's a feedback loop in the content that is going to win. So in a dynamic creative with 10 creative options, It is not a binary decision. Does this dynamic creative work? Your thing is, does this creative that launched and got all the spend, was that the right, was that, was that good enough? And for you to work your way through to your point of let's test everything. There is a limitation on the design that you have set up on the ability to test everything because especially with cost cap and dynamic creative, because you're doing two predictive elements on top of each other. 
because they both rely on pre-existing data sets. The likelihood for you to find something that is incremental and different to your existing set is limited. CostCap will try to find a user that will respond positively based on data that it has. And because using dynamic creative, Facebook's going with the highest confidence choice. So my issue there, part one, is that That's you are good. most likely to find more of the same, which is great if you're trying to scale efficiency, if you're trying to get cheaper and cheaper price. And your strategy right now, however you're running things, maybe you're burning through creative where it feels like the ad stops working after a couple of weeks. This is a great way of replenishing that. However, it does also create the feedback loop of needing to replenish that because your spend is basically you are identified a target market and every ad is trying to saturate that target market. And because you're validating all those elements with predictive elements, dynamic creative and, and cost cap, you're more likely to just get deeper and deeper down that rabbit hole. And eventually you're going to be unable to spend more because your content, the, the lookalike audiences of that content is all basically one giant circle instead of a giant Venn diagram. So your ability to scale is limited. But you're going to be able to iterate through that one concept pretty effectively in a, in a system that what I love about it, it's very little human error. It's all database. It's binary decisions. It, it, a monkey could do it if you train him for a day. Love that. That's what you, you need to be that simple or you're doing things wrong. So I love that. Second point. The limitation on copy is a bit of an issue for me because it's also re it is doubling down on this yeah. issue. Yeah. Now, if it were so me. To we duplicate yeah. those nine campaigns, by the way into 18 and 27 into, you know, we just nine sure. times over with a different head headline, different copies. So we iterate on those copies. So here's what I would do. I would try to limit any one of those dynamic creatives to no more than 20 total possible combinations with variants of each element. Yeah. So maybe I have two headlines, two copy and three creatives. Now, maybe that means that you run two or three of those at a time and you get very binary choices. This was good. This was bad. If it was good enough, cool, optimize. I actually just did a whole thread on, on this. Uh, and videos are going up today. I'll, every hour on Twitter, I'm going to do a new video on it. It's just, and then I'm going up as Instagram Reels, which will be repurposed as TikToks and go up on YouTube uh, and Pinterest. Uh, but the point of it is, um, if I know that dynamic limit limit the, the limit the variables. Yeah. So if I know that dynamic ten, is doing well. The 10 so creators, one three, headline, one body, body copy, too many variables for the machine to handle. Yeah. So what, what, what I saying. would say is instead... Three creatives, two copy, two headline. If that dynamic creative is doing well, awesome. Escalate it, move forward. If it's failing, eliminate the whole thing. And this way, every week, you can try two or three ideas and you're gonna have a 90% confidence on whether or not those work for you. But you're gonna get statistically significant investment across all of those elements. Now, the pain point here is it's probably gonna take you two months, three months to get through those 90. Which brings me back to my point of validating them. Let me get that 90 down to 10 or 12. Right. And then I can spend the whole month on four tests and I'm going to get one winner out of it. I, I'm almost I'm like 99% confident. I'm going to get one thing that works. And that one thing, when I start to use paid media, will pay off the acquisition cost of all of that content. My likelihood of breaking even is extremely high. And in direct consumer paid media, if you're breaking even, you're making a ton of money. Because you have LTV, because you have other operations, because you have yep. CRM database, search, whatever.
So my issue is, is that, and those are the two pain points that I have because you eliminate, you have a very, you have a much lower confidence on the ability of your winners and your losers to be something you can leverage. And also all of that spend that goes into ideas that aren't good hurts your unit economics downstream because you might be escalating 60, 70 ads that people hate. But no spend going behind the bad creative though. Oh, no, absolutely. But any of that spend that goes, maybe it's a hundred bucks per test behind each one. And you got three or four a week on the month. You spend three, $4,000 on ads mm-hmm. that effectively on aggregate increase your CPM as an advertiser over time. So that is at a very meta, not trying to be hey. you know, whatever. Uh, hey, uh, at a very Facebook level. Right. I take that back. I apologize in advance. Or, uh, that is what I'm looking at. So I love the strategy. I would piecemeal that stuff down and maybe you roll it out in a uh, fashion where week yeah. one is your highest confidence. Week two is your second highest confidence. Week three is all the, all the second chances. We end, up doing validate the them we end up doing the same or, thing, it sounds like. Yeah. yeah. My, my, my only but difference different, is I would stagger the rollout yeah. Yeah. based on the organic performance. Because that organic performance is my biggest indicator of the lowest CPM in the platform. And then likely what happens is the winners are going to have way less competition to see those initial impressions. And your optimization effort is going to be, is this thing close? Yes. Let me move on. If it's not close, kill it, move on. And you're going to be able to segment out huge chunks instead of trying to find the one winner out of 10 ideas. It's three different ideas, which one works. And then you eliminate nine because also as you run those tests concurrently, one of those tests might be better than the other two, and you can eliminate the entire bulk of those other two ideas. And you're not allowing your copy, just like your cost cap and your dynamic creative, to have a feedback loop of the type of customer you're acquiring. Mm. That is super Good. in the weeds, but like, yeah. I, I love it. That though. makes sense. We're going yeah. there. The, the main thing, though, is that, like, that's feedback, and I love it. Um, you guys are obviously both powerful players in the space. Is 10 creatives, one headline, one body copy, too, too many variables, too many variables. Too many variables of one to handle, element. To optimize. I would yeah. say it's too many variables of one element. If I can make every decision a binary, yes or no, I'm winning. So mm-hmm. two, maybe three of each element means I don't have to actually see the best ad of that dynamic creative is a good idea. I'm going to be able to, at a snapshot, is this test a test worth further investment? Yes or no? And I'm going to be able to move through entire chunks really quickly yeah it's good i love it that yeah and then i would organize my concept some of them are unboxing another one's testimonial another one's ugc and you do a qualitative analysis first week is all your best options second week is all the ones that came in second organically and third one is that second chance you i would just push that back to the third or fourth round that that would be the only difference strategically i think you're there just executionally i might the tactical, the tactics of it, I, I might do a different route because it also means I can test for a much lower budget and faster. What about you, Barry? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I love this topic deeply. Um, it, you know, I, I have to kind of go back to a, w- a little bit what I said about like the number of conversions you're getting. This is the, this is the problem. Cause if this is a, a more expensive product, right? Like it's going to require more. You, you can't have 
a $200 cost CPA, right? With 10 ads in it and, and believe that the best spending, you know, the top spending one is really the best one without spending thousands of dollars. By the way, that would be a hundred thousand yeah. dollars to find one winning ad. Well, yeah. With significance. Yeah. Uh, that's total significance. I don't, Charlie, separate conversation. Let's bookmark is Fair I don't enough. think yeah. we need total uh, stat sig uh, because I, if you looked at it based on the impressions, very, I, don't know, a, I don't know. I don't care. Fair enough. I'm just putting yeah, context to it. Conversation yeah, yeah. But generally I do want to find stat sig where possible. Right. But um, yeah, it would, it would require a lot of money to do that. And even if we want to fudge that and just cheat towards whatever Facebook thinks is best, like, it's still not giving a lot of those the opportunity to breathe. And one of the biggest problems I have with Facebook at scale, like I've been pounding them for years, is why do they not have a secondary optimization metric somewhere between, because they because Facebook system understands attention better than we, better than we can, right? We don't have an attention uh, metric, right? Facebook wants people paying attention. We have conversions. But Facebook is only optimizing to the, the one we're optimizing to. Not It does not actually, people think it does, but it does not actually think about which ads add to cart the most, which ads initiate checkout the most. It's not doing that. So we can. Because ultimately those things don't matter. Just a quick point. Uh, I don't care about add to carts. I want buyers. I, I whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. From optimization optimization standpoint, I agree. But from a data standpoint, it's not a one-to-one -one perfectly. Like you'll hear me always say like, it's not a one-to-one -one of impression to click to uh, purchase, right? It's not a one-to-one -one always of add to cart to initiate checkout to purchase. It's not. But generally, at least for something like this, for a creative test, a preliminary creative test like this, even when optimizing to purchase, you can use something like add to cart data, although now post iOS 14, we can't use it as much because of the uh, AEM. That's a whole nother topic. But it at least is a signal that you can use to identify people that came from an ad, saw the ad, clicked the ad, and took valuable action and had intent. At least you have that. But Facebook doesn't use that. So if, you're, if you do have 10 creatives in a DCT and you're not spending 10,000, you know, in a, sorry, a $100, $200 CPA, you have to be spending thousands of dollars to really get good data on that. Otherwise, it's just based on, if Facebook is just focusing on which ads get the most attention, which by the way, is often a huge signifier of an ad working yeah. versus an ad Without not working, is just the ability to get and keep attention. So, you know, this process, like that, definitely, this process is definitely cheating, like not getting the optimization and just leaning into you know, which creative is getting the most spend within the learning phase even. And as it continues to beat the cost caps at a, like a profitable place, obviously we're scaling this thing to the moon and spending as much as possible. And those campaigns get into optimization and start churning. They've proven to work at that point. But you're absolutely 100% correct, both of you. This process does cheat the like stat sig. We're not getting there. We're not getting the 50 purchase per week on every one of these campaigns. No, no doubt about it. We are still trusting Facebook within the learning phase though about which creative they think will work best with based on the indicator of success being spent in that stage. Um, but I love this feedback. There are holes obviously in the process, uh, but Charlie, I'm pumped. My, my uh, back and forth here is I just want, obviously I'm trying to get you as many home runs as possible, um, sure. but I know I'm in good hands as well. So 
I love it. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's one reason I'm super excited too of, of working with you guys. Again, like full transparency uh, of all of it. And, and your brand is in the name of your thing. I appreciate that, Taylor. It's a Taylor, a kinship. Go check them out. Uh, not trying to make this a long commercial for kinship. I was just like, this is a really good idea. And I think you I, have the hey, best in class player for the market. And that's why I, I'm working with you guys specifically. I, and I'll, I'll echo like, to hear you even thinking about these things and talking about these things at this level in your position with the type of work, very impressive. Like, like the, the mm. that sounds maybe like a, a pretentious, but like, like the, the thought that's going yeah. into this is there. It's truly good. And I love it. Like, I love hearing Man, what you're you. talking about Appreciate doing that. and, and how you're thinking about it is really powerful and useful. I I would just be concerned if you were trying to sell like a piece of furniture <laughs> or like yeah. a furniture honestly, service, you know. Honestly, a lot of it's come yeah. from Charlie as well, just listening to him and applying it to our process. You know, it's about the machine learning system. It's about testing. It's about creative. Like we're trying to take bits and pieces of what people in the space are saying that understand the platform of, you know, paid media and how does, you know, influencer marketing apply to that. The biggest arbitrage opportunity, hot take, but then across all e-commerce is the cost effectiveness of influencer market for content creation to run in paid. I truly believe that. And mm -hmm. so we want to do as best as we can at figuring out that process yeah. for brands that are, that are trying to leverage it in this way. So I, love it. I appreciate both uh, of you. Yeah. And we could easily probably do another half hour on that. I'm going to drop one note and then maybe we should touch on TikTok because we teased it a few times oh, and yeah. that can be our outro. Um, the only thing I would say, Taylor, you kept saying campaigns. Um, for me, these would be ad sets and a CBO targeting broad. Meritocracy of spend. The only, the only reason I do one campaign, one ad set is just to limit the amount as much as possible and just do a bunch of, it, I, a big proponent of CBO as well. Um, a limit to try to limit the amount of ad sets with how many variables are at the, um, yeah, and, and, and my point to this is if spend is truly a meritocracy, which we all believe and a CBO, only the best ideas, in a simpler version, the one I'm talking about, yeah. in a simpler version, only the best idea would get that spend. Right. And yeah. then, so you're compounding the value, uh, the compounding value of, of those good decisions. But Would you set a minimum? That, would you set a minimum to make sure it gets no. some spend? No. I love Do, it. I you love can knife each other Lean in the streets. In. Lean yeah, in, Barry. I want the thing that's, I, I describe it to this on all my students in the MBA program, mm -hmm. all constantly. I want you to walk uphill both ways in the snow barefoot <laughs> 10 miles to and from school every single day before I'm going to let you touch meaningful dollars. If you can't win there, mm -hmm. then we're not good enough. Because mm -hmm. I know out of 90 ideas, one of them is going to be, at least one is going to be good enough. Mm -hmm. And I want my entire business built on the back of excellence. Because this is a spot where good enough actually is a liability. Because yeah. we have the volume to overcome that. Yeah. But that, that's, yeah, lean all the way in. Absolutely. I would even put that winners in isolation in that same campaign. So the new tests have to beat the existing yeah, winners or they're not worth it. I, I love that. It's sometimes hard at limited spend, but I, I do genuinely love that. I, I would like, actually argue that it's harder. I know. I would, I would argue the opposite. It's harder yeah. to go multiple campaigns at limited spend. But hey, I did just do a giant. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yesterday. So. You're right. You're, you're yeah. totally right. In, in your, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
The lower your spend, the the simpler your machine has to be. Yeah, yeah, the more yeah. I need meritocracy to work. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Just, so yeah. all that being yeah. said, let's because we could go on forever and ever and ever, and I do appreciate that. But we're already over the ability, we're over the time for me to launch this as a live on Twitter and make it look like we're actually having this conversation later. Uh, thank you, Streamyard, for your one hour limitation. I don't know what that's about. Um, <laughs> uh, but all of that being said. One of the big things that we tease, and I definitely want to, thanks, Kelvin, uh, star student, by the way, MBA program guy, uh, literally can't get clients to say no now, which is fantastic. Uh, <laughs> too busy. Um, so with that being said, one of the things I'd love to lean into, maybe in the last few minutes, and let's get some structure to this. Um I did also talk with, with Alex P and I think she had some great stuff. So at a as more esoteric level, because I think we've gotten into the execution, the future of an applicable use for performance media for the platform of TikTok. Maybe plan a flag, maybe say where you're thinking about it. Um, I'll be happy to go last, um, but maybe we can kind of have this as the like last little point. Where do you think that platform is going? What do you think its advantage or disadvantages are? And how are you incorporating that strategically? Let's go, uh, Barry, you want to go first. I went first last yeah. time, Barry. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, best hack goes first this time. Thank you, thank you. Um, one of the most interesting things I think we I was expecting us to cover and we didn't was like the the gap, the difference between influencer reach and paid reach. We, we pretty much only, only exclusively talked about paid reach which i don't know about for you charlie for me is like a blind spot i'm so focused on paid ads that i don't really focus as much or care as much about the in actual influencers reach because i think it's also such a smaller scale usually right like the i can get millions of impressions from my paid dollars where the influencers are probably getting fewer on tiktok i'll say this influencer reach is a conversation for 2016 yeah, and yeah, it's yeah, done now. It, yeah. it, it's pennies on the dollar for what you can do with paid. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. But I, I, I would say there's got to be some value to it in TikTok, right? If you're getting an influencer to make a, a worthwhile piece of content and hashtag it well or whatever, right? It will have. It can have legs, right? Talk to talk to Cody. Like he's he's seen you know the power of things you know, lifting off on their own, which you can't really get much more. Vi virality on Facebook is barely a thing anymore, which is a shame. Um, but on TikTok, it's still very, very much alive and probably will be around for at least a year or two, hopefully. And so there is a lot of that earned media, which is one of my least favorite terms in the industry. Um, but there is a lot of that that can still happen. So I think that's an interesting, just an interesting bit here is because you can use spark ads to promote from those creators and that can actually live and breathe on its own, even without paid support. Once it's kind of launched, if the algorithm picks it up, there is a lot to win there. So I don't remember what I'm supposed to otherwise say about TikTok, but I do, uh, I'm excited to play with it more for a couple partners I'm working with. Uh, really excited to dig in. Also I literally started a 30 day TikTok challenge yesterday, today, uh, of making a fool of myself. Thanks for on following TikTok. me, by the way. I appreciate oh, that. I'm one of your first. You followers. got a lot of followers. You got a, uh, you know, thanks for promoting me on there. Um, yeah. 
it's I'm making a fool out of myself uh, and having some fun on there, making some content. So I, I I'm I'm excited to see where this goes. I'm excited to see where this whole TikTok thing fails or doesn't. Um, this is the first time in a long time I've felt like there is actually a a, a, a worthwhile platform aside from Facebook. Snapchat didn't really do it for maybe more than a few months. And it's always been hard for me. And one of my biggest blind spots has always been preferring to focus on Facebook rather than separate, you know, uh, spend any of my energy elsewhere because it, the return wasn't there, right? Pinterest, Snapchat, yeah. LinkedIn, Twitter, all of these have, you know, kind of fizzled out at scale compared to the, the screws that I can turn on Facebook. So I'm excited to play with TikTok more, especially people are shouting the targeting functions uh, of TikTok are really good. I'm eager to play with that myself and see with, yeah, exactly, Charlie, what you're saying with your face is I'm <laughs> eager to see if, if that is truly valuable or just a way to focus on hyper niche bullshit, whereas I really want to be able to sell things to more people more broadly and let the algorithm do it. So I'm eager to play with that myself and see how yeah. that goes. It's good. What about what about you? Uh, what about you, Taylor? What are you what are you thinking about it? Because I feel like you've got a very in depth view of of the platform. Yeah, uh, I mean, obviously, we love TikTok for the reasons that I've already communicated. It's just a high likelihood when seeding product, you'll get free content po posted organically and be able to repurpose it. Uh, that's one. But two, uh, I agree with with both of you. Um, prior to TikTok over the last couple of years, um, we've always communicated, hey, organic, it's just the cherry on top. Like influencers are content creators, not distributors. We can always distribute that content way and far better than they ever could. Right. Um, and, and that still is true. That still is true. Even with TikTok, we're at that. But that cherry on top is becoming, you know, a little bit more than a cherry. It's, it's, it's growing. Uh, where like on Instagram stories, you know, prior to TikTok really taking off, we, we predominantly just see Instagram uh, influencers where, you know, their stories, a lot of the time reach 10% of their audience. And that's at the micro level. As you grow bigger, you know, that per, you know, follower basis, micros have greater reach, greater engagement, greater, you know, conversion rate, more niche audiences across the board in comparison to larger influencers. Um, and then a lot of time they would reach 10% of their audience and that's it. So if you have 100,000 followers, you get 10,000 impressions. TikTok, if it's a good video, you can very easily far surpass the amount of followers you have with the amount of views uh, and impressions that you're able to get. So organic distribution, uh, TikTok, it, it's like beachfront property in Malibu in the 70s right now. It's just that algorithm can take viral content, take content viral very easily and far better than ever before. Um, so we're, we're very bullish on TikTok, activating influencers there via seating. Again, it's still outweighed uh, by you know the content being the real value add and something like allowing that to supplement your efforts via paid but it's it's become a lot more than a cherry due to the organic reach that it's able to get at this point so that's my two it. cents though on it i love it I i'll try to cover a slightly different ground um and, and reiterate two points one barry i agree with you i think for reasons that I'll cover in a second, I think TikTok does legitimately offer a new entry into the marketplace. Right on schedule, by the way, between the distribution of email at scale to the distribution of Google search ads at scale to the distribution of Facebook ads at scale, it is the next generation. 
Um, and it's basically right on right on time, right? Like COVID hit one years one year after the Spanish flu. We are ten years after Facebook ads. Like makes sense. Um, I'm not shocked by that, and I'm very. I, I do like that it's delivering on a lot of the promises that other platforms offered but couldn't. Um, I do also, to Taylor's point, very much agree in that the virality of the platform is, is that is their essence. They've taken, they've reverse engineered Facebook to take that optimized CPM environment to one product and absolutely champion the end user and the creator in a way that nobody else has in a way that is phenomenal, that was highly disruptive. I mean, basically, everybody has a TikTok now, right? Pinterest has idea pins. YouTube has shorts. Instagram has reels. Um, you're either in the space or you're not. And all of them also use it as their viral acquisition to find other people because it becomes so easy to discover folks that you don't know. As for the future of TikTok is concerned, where I'm coming from, Looking, because again, I'm, I'm like a business guy, looking at the unit economics of TikTok in the marketplace. They have one, I always look to the unfair advantage in the marketplace anybody has and then try to exploit it as much as possible. That's how you win in business. TikTok has an unfair advantage over every other social media platform and that they don't need to generate profit. There's no capitalist publicly traded element to TikTok. TikTok's costs can be and likely are, but we'll never fully know, completely uh, supported by government of China. So not to get too political or conspiracy theory, but the bottom line is you're dealing with a totalitarian society that has a piece of tech adopted by hundreds of millions of people that is allowing them to gain intelligence on everything. Now there's one element to the organic. What do people like? What are their houses like? All that stuff. I mean, imagine you couldn't pay for the spy information that TikTok right. users willingly upload yeah. to a Chinese government platform. You know, Aziz Ansari's newest stand-up bit, uh, I actually just saw him in live last week, but he just, he covers this. He's like, wow, literally like, okay. if there was an app that was like, give us your face, you know, like, you'd be like, no, like, I'm not giving you my Yeah, but give, give us the, the fence around each military base. Give us what your home looks like. Give right. us your income, but, everything. But because they've gamified it, they've made it interesting, like, made it content. Like, they're, everyone's like, give, you, give your face, give me your face. Like, they're just like, everyone's willing to, like, give it away. Oh, yeah. For the fun content. Now what is really interesting is when we get into e-commerce. That pixel is going to track this, the actions that occur on every site. Facebook knows, for instance, I had a conversation the other day about like when I was running New Balance, we did a big case study about retargeting people that abandoned cart on, on Nike because of advanced matching. That happens all the time right now. Yeah. If you have advanced matching and broad targeting, you are retargeting your competitors because Facebook sees, oh, I'm interested in red trainers. I abandoned cart on two other sites. What do I want to see? Ads for red trainers. And we see this every time, like gifting seasons. You go to one dropshipper store and immediately you get every competitor in the space that's using advanced match and selling the exact yeah. same thing. And, and the consumers don't understand that. Yeah. They, and most advertisers don't understand that. Let me. Which is. Right. The, the, the dynamic of audience. Get it, but 
Yeah, the vast majority. And then they of think people, we're they think we're crazy. Yeah, the vast majority of individuals who are three generations down from a guru that didn't know what they were talking about, reciting Facebook Blueprint three years ago. That population of the media buyer pool is probably 90 percent. Those people don't understand this. Yeah. But you're already retargeting your competitors. Right now, conquesting is a big piece because Facebook knows, oh, you're interested in red trainers. Oh, well, here's more content on red trainers because you want to see it. And mm -hmm. you abandon cart. Great. You're in the mood to buy. Yeah, this guy has way. a red trainer ad on a purchase objective. Let me right. show it to you. And then you as a user, you're like, wow, I'm getting everything that I want. This is great. By the way, and you're engaging with it. It's not even like that difficult. It's because Facebook, because every catalog has like the category has the product description. Mm -hmm. All of those things are in metadata. It's not like Facebook's analyzing the user or analyzing the every image. Oh, it's, oh, it knows it's a red shoe. No, it knows from the data that it is this type of shoe in this category that it is tagged with automatically. And it knows that it can show you that same similar product from another brand. And yeah. Aver you're, and, you're and right. The, and the AI can, the AI of Facebook can read your ad. It's, it knows oh, this is the red trainer. Yeah, it's, it knows, oh, you've got a bottle of Coca-Cola in the background, right? It knows like, oh, I've got well, a dinosaur thing. Know. It probably knows who that is. I, oh, no. That I don't know as much. That's 100% true. I, I I promise you, I saw the I saw the thing in Menlo Park in 2017. The AI has only gotten better. I don't they doubt can, it. They can read everything. I, so my sure. point to that is, Facebook knows what billions of users are doing on millions and millions of websites right. 24 hours a day and what you are doing everywhere you go. Right. And people are saying, oh, Facebook's reading, they're, 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 the microphone is on, they know everything. It's like, no, you just Google search something. Yeah. And now Facebook knows your entire level of intent based off of other millions of users and trillions of data points in real time, what it is that you want to see. Right. Here's the thing. The Chinese government to acquire that knowledge on every business in the world is absolutely worth the opportunity cost of not trying to run a profit on the inventory of their ads platform. Yeah. With that being said, now, mind you, before I got while I was doing rock and roll, I was also a political talk radio personality. So I dig into a little bit of this. Uh, but, you know, Hulk Hogan's sex tape ruined my job with Bubba the Love Sponge and I moved across the country. Um, that's a whole other story for another time. Uh, but my point here is, I think it's here to stay because A, it's a reverse engineered Facebook optimized CPM platform with one product. It is that full screen video feed, right? They don't have to do lead ads. They're not doing carousels. They're not doing canvas ads or instant experiences, whatever. They're not doing DP. They're not doing any of this stuff. So they have to do one job really, really well. And they're doing it phenomenally well to the point where they disrupted the entire industry. And they don't need to make a profit, which means us as advertisers have an unfair advantage in the marketplace on the cost of inventory versus other platforms. Yep. So that being said, their AI is really strong. You know, that's not discredit, uh, you know, uh, Chinese engineers, uh, really smart people. And they got a billion smart people to choose from literally a billion smart people to choose from to make it happen. And they can use slave labor to make, push it through. So like, that's an unfair fight. But the other side of it is for us as advertisers is I think it presents the first real intruder into our current ecosystem of CRM and uh, demand-based inventory, you know, CRM being email, stuff like that, demand-based being search, and then optimized CPM of social network. 
because really TikTok's not even so much of a social network, right? It, it, it's way more of television than it is yeah. MySpace. So my point is, it is disruptive enough in that ecosystem, and their unit economics present them an unfair advantage that I don't like. They could run at. And to be fair, like I'm running TikTok ads. The, the CPMs don't necessarily have to be much better than Facebook. They're not half the time. CPMs are irrelevant. Let's move on. Yeah, my, that's that's sort of my point. It is that none of that really matters because my ability for finding one piece of content that'll go viral, my ability to use it as a uh, content um, evaluation device, and my ability to leverage that with paid media gives me an advantage that feels to me like 2016 Facebook. Mm -hmm. The conversion pixel exists. Yeah. Optimized CPM environment exists. Everybody's still running engagement ads. And I've got a conversion objective. Mm. And the inventory is, is costing me half the price it should. So if you have a really good business, I'm very bullish on the ability of leveraging it. Now, strategically speaking, um, I'm going broad, auto, everything, because it is a reverse engineered Facebook platform. I'm not going to outsmart it. Um, it's smarter than me. I'm going to play Preach. the game of going to Taylor to get a shit ton of stuff. Yep. I'm then going to evaluate all of those and do a qualification based on the reception of the marketplace mm -hmm. and then only escalate the best chances I have to win. I'm going to put together an all-star team and try to go win a medal. I don't need every player. I just need a team full of Scottie Pippins and Michael Jordans to try to go win, you know, the Olympics. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need every NBA player that, that was good enough to get drafted. I just want the all. I want the starting five on the all-star team, and I'll go to market with that. And if every month I get a new starting five, I'm gonna win. So that's sort of my much longer than I thought was gonna be wrap up on on on, on TikTok um, and, and why I'm extraordinarily bullish on it. And I'll admit, I was bearish as fuck on it for two years, and I'm kind of pissed I didn't embrace it two years ago. Yeah, but. Same. That's like being upset you got in a Bitcoin at 20K in 2017. And now you're just pissed off that you didn't keep it. Uh, so that, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Because I think in three to five years, we might be Facebook 2019, 2020. And I would love to have what I have now in Facebook four years ago. So that's yeah. sort of the summation of my thought. Yeah. Well, Right on. <laughs> have you have you all watched the Netflix social the social dilemma on there? Oh yeah, yeah. So like that's that's what I think about. It's a lot about you know, it's using attention and brainwashing. Not brainwashing, but you know, like it's it's interesting to think about what is being done with all this data uh, to either weaponize uh, things or um, well, yeah, weaponize thoughts or also weaponize. Aggressive Probably. word, but true. Sorry? Aggressive word, but very true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, can pet your bottom dollar. That documentary will never come out on behalf of TikTok in China. They still and piggybacking off what Charlie's saying. Yeah. Never yeah. will that be shown to the people. Yeah. And even more than that, in their ability to leverage stuff, they've blocked Google. Like people are like, oh, TikTok's now the most commonly used thing. Yeah, because the country with 2 billion people blocked the most valuable thing. And so what that means is now they're having market research on what might be their next product, which if I had to predict the future, they're going to come up with something that feels like Pinterest.
in that it is a search platform serving a shit ton of impressions in more of some sort of feed. I don't know what that looks like, but I feel like we're going to see something where it's, it becomes a search engine. Um, I don't, I don't know what that looks like, but just reading the tea leaves, that feels like what the future is. All right. Well, anyway, with that being said, we're almost 90 minutes in. I really, really appreciate it. Um, so how about this? Let's let's exit with this with one thing. I'd love for you, if again, if you could take the stage, introduce yourself, make sure people know where to find you. And my favorite part about this all the time is also championing some of the brands. So I uh, don't have to pick a favorite, but what's your favorite uh, DTC brand uh, in the moment? And I'm so pissed I'm not prepped for mine because that video I dropped in the group chat last yesterday, if I had it right now, oh, you know what? Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to let you talk. go to and I'm going to run inside the house and then run back. Go, go, go. Um, so, Barry, why don't you take us away? Okay. And then Taylor will go to you, and I'll be back in, like, 30 seconds. I'm going to run like Got a madman, scream through my neighborhood. Go, 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 go. Uh, I know what he's getting. Um, I will pitch uh, the Perfect Gene, uh, which is a company I, I partner with. Uh, the Perfect Gene.nyc. Uh, they, they make my favorite stretchy oh okay i'm just talking to myself now no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> i gotta go oh, you guys are good i know you're good, you're good. no it's good uh the perfect the perfect gene.myc um i wear stretchy jeans every day uh, i mean I, I wear sweatpants some other days i like my lulu sweatpants but the, the perfect gene is like super comfortable wear it around the house you don't even notice because they're stretchy they look like normal jeans and then I go and like go out to go get coffee or whatever. And I'm, I don't have to change. I'm already wearing something cozy and that looks like normal jeans. So the perfect gene.nyc. Uh, yes, I do work with them and I'm excited to like get more into TikTok with them. They make some funny ass ads that slap. Uh, definitely go check them out. Um, we're, we're about to have even more fun with it now that I'm going to take on a little bit more there. Um, but that's what I'll, I'll uh, use the perfect gene.nyc. Dang, that was a pretty good. That was a, you guys over there at Ramswater know how to do a product shout out, man. But <laughs> mine, mine would be, uh, as you guys have both have seen, Monkey Feet for sure, without a doubt. Um, not only is it just my favorite, this guy. Uh, what is it? Across the Monkey Feet is a product that allows you to lift dumbbells uh, with your legs. Oh, um, so awesome product. Um, new technology there for sure, without yeah, a doubt. I'd rather just get um, calf implants. Thank you. For sure, of course. I, I I see that in you after this hour and a half segment. Um, <laughs> no, but why it is? That's this guy awesome. lived across the way from me at UCLA during my time and became one of the brands that we're working with. Um, cool. And the seeding efforts has led. You know, they get seeding has compounding value, right? What we've communicated is what one month's worth of it doing. They're at a point where we've been doing this well over a year, and they get like five hundred to a thousand posts a month at this point. And like some of those posts were seen by Joe Rogan, and now they've been shouted out by Joe Rogan on yeah. his podcast for free four times. That's crazy. Another byproduct cherry on top of seeding. You might just find yourself getting shouted out by people you never even thought you could touch. Yeah. Um, so without a doubt, monkey feet, my favorite D2C product on the marketplace right that now. That seems like something that would work very well on TikTok ads. Or TikTok yeah. in general. No. So it's been great. Awesome. Awesome. Um, also, uh, you know, follow Barry on Twitter and go check out Taylor on Twitter. Uh, you can find their handles and Taylor also uh, co-CEO of Kinship. The description, by the way, your your 
Uh, Twitter bios are in the description of this video. I prepped this time instead of figuring out a week later. Wow. To maybe do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So awesome. You can go check it out right now. Um, and with that being said, my favorite, and yes, I did get a crate from them. And yes, they did get me a hat, which I should have also grabbed, but I was in a rush. Um, so my favorite, and this is the video that I shot to our group chat. So I'm just going to do it right now. It's like, do it. Wow, that's a beautiful thirst you have there. I hope somebody doesn't murder it. It's mm, mm. a perfect recreation. Yeah. Sick. Liquid Death, by the way. Fantastic they, brand. They got to pay Not us. A good product. Killer fucking marketing. Great brand positioning. And they just came out with flavors. So I'm very excited by that. I I love it. It's a fun. It's a good product. I have some. I think it's hilarious that people think other people think that they can like recreate the magic that liquid death has. They're like, Oh yeah, just do what they did. I'm like, no, you can't. You're not clever enough or funny enough or smart enough to do it. Most people like you can't make a brand that is that funny. I mean, no one can like, it's no, it's like they took whoever the brand manager was for TikToks. Uh, sorry. Taco Bell or like a Denny, like the Taco Bell Wendy's. Twitter account from 2015. And they yeah. made that person a CMO. <laughs> like, do you remember the Taco Bell Twitter account from like 2015? Uh, it just trolled people constantly. <laughs> it was amazing. Uh, somebody also does that for KFC. I feel like there's an agency. Wendy's, I feel like it's Wendy's, 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 Sunny Wendy's. hires a comedian to just rip people apart and yeah. they just get different like brands to do it. Um, anyway, with that being said, uh, thank you guys so much for this. Taylor, it's great to have you in, in the, in the, in the DDC, uh, coffee shop family. Uh, we'll have you back on again, Barry, you've been here all the time. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, follow the guys that you see here, ask questions, you know, let us know what else we can do to help you out. Um, thank you guys so, so very much. I know you can be spending your time anywhere and you spent it here. So that means a lot. With that being said, um, I should probably get a sign off, but I don't have one. Uh, I'll see you guys later on the internet. Bye. I love it. Bye, y'all. Thanks. Bye, guys. See ya. <laughs>